Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. T.S. Eliot once said that April is the cruelest month, and I would beg to disagree. I think that for some Christians, March is actually the cruelest month. You see, March is the month when those read through the Bible in a year programs often go awry. Your parishioners have seen you in December and they say, Pastor, we're, we're going to read through the Bible in a year. They have found this program that uh, has divided all of the Scripture up into readings. You read them in January, and if you read every day all the way to December, you're going to read through the Bible in a year, and you see you see the sky of their spiritual desires. In January and February, they're soaring high. But then comes March, the cruelest month, because in March they come to Leviticus. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And it's rough. Right? I mean, they're reading about the burnt offering and the grain offering and the peace offering and the sin offering and the guilt offering, and they're distinguishing between the cattle and the sheep and the goats and the birds and the flesh that is burnt and the flesh that is boiled, and, and they're, they're beginning to see the fat of the entrails and the kidney and the long lobe of the liver, and there is so much blood, blood that is sprinkled and blood that is poured and blood that is smeared and blood that is thrown, and then somewhere between the rules for scraping off plaster in a leprous house and handling bodily discharges, they've had enough. The sky of their spiritual desires meets the earth of their human limitations, and they quit. Year after year, that read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year program gets sacrificed on the earthly altar of Leviticus. <laughs> and it's sad. It's sad, not because they don't make it through the Bible in a year. It's sad because they don't read Leviticus. And they end up living with an impoverished Levitical imagination. When you don't have a Levitical imagination, sometimes it's hard to see Christ in the text of Scripture, and sometimes it's harder still to see him at work in his church in this world, which is why it is such a blessing today to have this reading from Hebrews, because the writer to the Hebrews is calling us to exercise our Levitical imagination. He's calling us to strengthen our Levitical imagination so that we can see the wonder of Christ in worship and we can see and be the church of Christ at work in this world. So let's consider this text. When you heard it read, did you find yourself getting a little bit dazed and confused, uh, perhaps having flashbacks of March when you were reading through the Bible in a year? This writer, he, he delights in the Levitical imagination. He delights in, in describing the duties 
of the priests and the sacrificial services. And he does this not because he's all that interested in the earthly temple. No, he does this because he wants to open up the sky for you. He wants you to see your crucified Christ triumphant in the temple, sitting at the right hand of God and ruling over all things in power and in love. And to do that, to do that, he shows you the earthly temple with its priests standing there day after day repeatedly offering the same sacrifice that can never take away sin. Because Christ has entered into that worship. Christ has offered that one sacrifice, his body that takes away for all time all human sin. And after that sacrifice, after that death, Christ rose from the dead not to offer any more sacrifices. No, that is done. He rose from the dead to ascend into the heavens and let the heavenly worship of God begin. This writer points you to the priests who are coming into the temple so that you can see Jesus who enters into the heavenly temple of God. This writer points you to the priests who are walking around carrying sacrifices and offerings so that he can show you Jesus who's carrying his crucified body into the heavenly realms. This writer points to these priests and this blood that is thrown and poured and sprinkled and smeared so that you can see Jesus with his blood shed for you, now living and coursing through his veins as he enters into the temple of God. And all of a sudden, the, the earthly temple dissolves in your imagination as priests and sacrifices and blood and curtain all disappear and you see Jesus, the priest, the sacrifice, the offering, the blood, the curtain of the temple there in the temple of God, seated on the right hand of God and ruling over all things in power and in love. That cosmological vision, it changes your life in this world. It helps you see Christ at work in his church and it helps you be Christ's church at work in his world. Seeing Christ's church and being Christ's church. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for people in the world to see Christ at work in his church <laughs> because they lack a Levitical imagination. I, I remember someone like that. Her name was Latrice. She was a nurse who worked in a hospital on the south side of Chicago. And I saw her for quite a long time while a parishioner was there under her care. And I'll never forget our first conversation. She, um, she surprised me. We were, um, I was visiting my parishioner. My parishioner was there in the hospital. She had friends visiting her, and she was an avid reader, and all of her friends would be bringing her books. But she had one friend who kept bringing her these romance novels. Now, at that time, it was Fabio on the cover, bare-chested, holding some woman, experiencing some wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> 
And they had those titles, gentle, savage, sweet rogue. <laughs> and I came in to visit the parishioner and, and, and she looks at me. I set my stuff down on the tray and there's this romance novel and she looks at me and she says, Pastor, that book's pornography. And she, uh, she didn't want to offend her friend by not taking it. And she didn't want to read it. And she certainly didn't want it there when people were visiting her. And so she said, Pastor, could you just, could you just get rid of that for me? So I leave the room. I'm going to the nurse's station to communicate some of the parishioner's concerns. And I've got my Bible and I've got my communion set and I've got my well-worn romance novel. <laughs> and I set it down. And Latrice looks at me, and she sees my collar, she sees my Bible, and she sees the romance novel, and she says, finally, a church I could go to. <laughs> that started our conversation. Latrice would tell me, oh, she loved romance. She loved romance, and she, she, she told me about the church that she knew that would love to hate her. You know, I... I uh, I used Rev Rossow's gospel handles. I tried to take those titles and somehow turn Gentle Savage into a gospel handle to introduce her to Christ, but she wasn't having anything of it. She said, Reverend, Reverend, you don't want me coming to your church. You don't want me coming to your church. I walk through those doors, those walls are gonna fall down. And I'd say, Latrice, that's okay, because Jesus can take those stones and he can build another church. I didn't tell her how good we were at building walls, actually. He can build another church, only this time it will include you. She lacked a Levitical imagination. She couldn't see how in the midst of her romance novel of a life and all of that sex and scandal and sordidness, there was a child whom God loved. She didn't know that she would come into the church the same way everybody else came into the church, not by their own holiness and life, but by the washing in this water that would sprinkle an evil conscience clean. And because she lacked a Levitical imagination, she couldn't see Christ at work in her church, and that was sad. But you know what's sadder? What's sadder is when God's people lack a Levitical imagination, and they stop being Christ's church in the world. That's sadder. Richard Lisher, a recent graduate, uh, not a recent, a, a long time ago graduate of the seminary, wrote a uh, memoir about his first call, not something you want to tell your parishioners you're going to do. Uh, he wrote a memoir about his first call, and he tells the story of a woman named Terry who broke into the church in the middle of the night to pray. Terry lived in an ugly world, abusive a small trailer with a stepfather who worked too little and drank too much. And she escaped that trailer and ended up in another trailer with another hard-drinking and hard-hitting man. And so she went back home. Only this time she wasn't alone. This time she had a child in her womb. And she couldn't imagine what it would be like to bring that child into a world to face this man's fist. And she was contemplating terminating that 
pregnancy. You know, there are some times when your world is so ugly that when God gives you a beautiful gift like a child, you think it's a mistake. And she didn't know any other way her story could end. But she had a robust Levitical imagination. She would break into the church at night to talk in the dark to Jesus who was in the heavens for her. And Richard Lisher tells the story of Terry. Now I know you're saying, why doesn't she, why doesn't she just come to church on Sunday morning? Why break in in the night? Well, you know, even though her world was ugly, the church, that church was uglier still. Her mother had gone to that church, huh? And there was a story about her mother, a story politely shared as a prayer request over crumb cakes and coffee, right? It was a story that could rival the best of the romance novels, as there were many men from the town in that story. It was so juicy, you just had to make it into a prayer request to share. And then her mother started dating one of the sons of the congregation, the sons of a prominent family member in the congregation. And then when she said that she was pregnant with that son's child, those polite prayer requests became pointed accusations. How do you know it's his child? It could be the child of any of a number of men. And they began to shut the doors. Right, the prayer request became pointed accusations. Family suddenly became much more important than faith. It was easier to shame than to save. And sharing gossip was a lot more glorious than sharing grace. They shut the doors, they bolted the windows, and they left Terry's mother and her outside, lest anyone who should ever be sleeping around should come in. They had no Levitical imagination, and so they didn't know how to deal with sin. But God did. And God brought Terry into that church years later because he was going to turn that romance novel into a, a story of grace. He began to take the the steel of the Spirit and to carve into the hearts of those people. You know how the writer of the Hebrews talks about how the Spirit writes the law of God in our hearts? And these people became living witnesses of God's work in that place. Two of them, two of them secretly, quietly began to gather furniture, create a safe house for Terry. And then somebody kept putting money in an envelope anonymously and shoving it under the door with Terry's name on it. And then suddenly these private acts became more public. They had a clothing drive and a baby shower. And then one Sunday, on Sunday morning, when the people gather for worship, there is Terry and her gift from God, Asia, standing at the baptismal font. This church that had lost their Levitical imagination was about to experience worship, the true worship of God. God was breaking into his church, not at night, but in the morning, not through the windows, but through the water and the washing that will wash every evil conscience clean. And the heavens opened and we saw the sky of God's eternal desires touching the earth of human sin and bringing one more child into the kingdom that day. Terry did not need to break into the church because Jesus was standing there 
at the baptismal font, welcoming her in. And he's still there today, this morning. You come to chapel, you, you walk past that baptismal font, and it's an invitation to exercise your Levitical imagination, to touch your fingers in that water, and to close your eyes and to gaze deeply to see the cruelest moment of your life when the eternal judgment of God is pronounced upon you and you are joined to the death of his only son. And then to open your eyes as you rise with him and enter into this space and see him, your crucified Lord, triumphant in his temple, ruling over all things in power and love. Draw near to this Jesus. Hold fast to this confession and stir one another up to love and good works as you be Christ's church in the world. Why? Well, because you may not be able to make it through the whole Bible in a year, but you are able to live in God's story of grace here today. Amen.